As for God, his way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. His shields, all who take refuge in him. And that is Psalms chapter 18, verse 30. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Bridge Radio. And we are coming at you from the great state of Texas. I am your host, A.W. Bavrilla, and next to me, the president of this ministry, Steve Van Hartog. Hey, what's up, everybody? Good to be with you. Oh, man. Uh, another episode. This is the last of our, uh, well, not the last time we have female authors on. We'll have but them again. We'll have them again. <laughs> uh, but we, we had a, a nice little group of uh, female authors that came on, and we are absolutely grateful for uh, Moody Publishing uh, to send uh, these authors our way. Today, we are going to be talking to Christy Anya Wallaby, uh, and I might have destroyed that last name. Um, and we're super excited to have her on on her new book, literally. Um, again, you know, these authors are releasing these new books, and we are super, super excited to have her on. Uh, Steve, uh, any update on the building? Uh, not really. We're just uh, continuing to work on that, moving forward with uh, the finish off, and Lord willing, we'll be able to start moving in sometime in March. All right. Well, awesome. Please, please. Don't forget to subscribe to Apple, Android, Google, and Stretcher Radio, and please visit our website at bridgeminlaredo.org, and we are now on Spotify. Again, we're super excited to be moving into the new building. It's coming here in a couple weeks, so I'm super excited to have our first podcast in our new facility. Uh, again, it's been a long journey and super excited uh, what uh, the new location is going to bring, especially with the university being so close by. So for our local audience here in Laredo, Texas, or in just Texas in general, if you guys are in the area, please, please visit our new location here in a couple of weeks. We would be more than happy to meet you guys. Steve is always running around. I may, might be in and out, uh, but hey, please come and say hello Absolutely. and enjoy a great cup of coffee. All right, Steve, well, let's get this podcast started. Let's do it. All right. Christy Anyabuile is editor of His Testimony, My Heritage, Women of Color on the Word of God. She is the Associate Director of Women's Workshop for the Charlie Simeon Trust and is founding member of the Pelican Project. She has written contributions to held 31 biblical reflections on God's comfort and care in the sorrow of miscarriage, ESV Women's Devotional Bible, Word-Filled Women's Ministry, Loving and Serving the Church, Women on Life, A Call to Love the Unborn, Unloved and Neglected, and Hospitality Matters, Revealing an Ancient Practice of Modern Missions. Her work can also be found in the Front Porch, the Gospel Coalition, Desiring God, Christianity Today and Revive Our Heart. She is a pastor wife and has been married almost 30 years. They have three children. Welcome, Chrissy, to Bridge Radio for the first time. Hey, I'm <laughs> I got <my> it. <laughs> yeah. That was a long, that was a long. <laughs> oh, man. I, I, I was what? butchering your last name there, and I'm totally <laughs> <You did>. sorry. <laughs> you got it really well. <laughs> well, Chrissy, thank you very much for coming on on Bridge Radio today as we discuss your new book, Literally by Moody Publishing. It's um, literarily. Oh, right? literarily. Literarily. Yes. Sorry. Yes. It's a mouthful. It <laughs> yes, it is a mouthful. Um, <laughs> before we begin, uh, if you can please uh, just tell a little bit 
about yourself to our audience and how God drew you to Saving Faith. Yes, thank you. Well, uh, like I said, I'm so happy to be here. It's a joy. And um, my name is Christy. I am right now in the city of Washington, D.C., in the southeast quarter of the city. Uh, And that's where my husband is senior pastor of Anacostia River Church. And uh, we've been here almost eight years now, uh, ministering and serving in um, urban under represented community mm. and uh, we love it we love our community we love our church uh, it's a lot of hard work but it's a joy we as you already said we have three children two girls who are you know adults um and one teenage boy who's in the midst of basketball season coming up coming to the wars the end of basketball season right mm. now uh, so the lord saved me um at a time when i was um suffering, I guess you could say, uh, just in a trial. But um, before I get to that, I will say that growing up, I grew up in a home where um, going to church, participating in church activities was an expectation and a norm. In my home, uh, my grandmother, she was in her 80s when I was a little girl. So I've I only knew her as an elderly woman. And I would say she was the primary spiritual influence in my life. I would see her reading her Bible every spare minute. She she was either reading the Bible or the newspaper <laughs> pretty much all her in all her free time. And um, yeah, she was just a strong spiritual influence for me. She um, I would kneel by her bedside every night and she would teach me prayers and we would pray together and things like that. Uh, so a godly woman who um, probably only went to about fifth or sixth grade in school, um, but just very wise, very intelligent, very funny. And um, so early, early spiritual influence and going to school as a child, I mean, going to church as a child, um, as I got older, went off to school to, um, university. Uh, my grandma used to say, uh, all that learning will make you crazy. (laughs) (laughs) And that's kind of what happened when I went to university, Mm. you know, you're just inundated with all kinds of ideas and philosophies and religion and, everything just was kind of confused in my head. And I think the word for it is, uh, the word for me became, my uh, outlook on spirituality became very um, syncretist. Hmm. So I would just kind of pull a little bit from here, a little bit from there. And, you know, and I thought this was so smart. I was like, hey, if I just pull together all the things that all the religions kind of have in a, as, as commonalities, mm-hmm. that's probably truth. And so that's what, you know, that's what I'm going to believe. So everybody believes you should love people. You should treat people kindly. You, you know, kind of these moral kinds of things that seem to be common among religions. And, um, but there was no foundation to it. And so I would tell everybody that I'm spiritual, but not religious. Mm. And that got me into a lot of trouble when I graduated from college and my husband and I were married and we got pregnant for the first time um, and we miscarried that child. Mm. And so now, uh, because there's no foundation and because I was kind of melding together what I thought was truth, 
um, I really didn't have a foundation when that happened. And so it was a crisis for me. Uh, if I'm believing that there is a God and I'm told all, you know, as I grew up that, you know, if you work hard, that you can do anything you want to do, you can be anything you want to be. Well, I didn't want this. <laughs> so, you know, this, this wasn't the plan that I had for my life. And so I wanted to know, well, if there's a God, then why would he allow this to happen? And if he's in control of all of all things, I want to know what else he's, you know, planned for me that I would not have planned for myself, right? Um, and so it just sent me into asking a lot of questions about God and who he is and what he's like. Mm. At the same time, my husband was going through a similar kind of crisis of faith as we were walking through miscarriage together. And he stumbled upon a television preacher. And y'all have to have him on it sometime to tell his story. But yeah, uh, you're going to have to help us out with that. (laughs) He had been a practicing Muslim at one point. And then he became pretty much agnostic, maybe atheistic at points. Uh, And so for him to watch a television preacher was just like, unheard of. It, I was completely floored when he when I came home and he told me he had been watching this TV preacher. And so we started watching him together and found out that his church was right here in Washington, D.C. We were not living here at the time. We were in North Carolina. But I, my sister lived here in the city. And so we said, hey, next time, you know, we go and visit my sister. We'll go to the church. We'll check this guy out. And he had us from the beginning. He, mm. the way he preached, we had not been exposed to uh, expositional preaching where a pastor takes a, a, a book and a, a chapter and he walks verse by verse explaining the passage in context. We, that was just something new to us. So wow. every Sunday morning he would, or whenever we would watch him, he would come on and his little, his kind of mantra, well, I, was, I, guess, I guess I shouldn't call it a mantra. <laughs> his, his opening every week would be, I'm going to lay out for you a systematic plan of development according to the word of God. Wow. And he would preach 25 minutes hmm. going through First Timothy or whatever he was going through, wherever he was after 25 minutes, that was it. And then you tune in next week for for him to continue um, in in the series. So anyway, he had us. We go and visit my sister. We go and visit this church. He preaches uh, the gospel from Exodus thirty two. Wow, that is the I think I got the right chapter. The golden calf um, incident was what he was preaching for him, and the sermon was called "What Does It Take to Make You Angry?" Mm. And now, again, I I guess. There was some anger in there in terms of like losing a child and not knowing why and those kinds of things. But he, what he talked about in the sermon was being angry over sin mm-hmm. and how God is angry when we sin against him and how he meets out uh, justice. But that that justice doesn't have to um, be accounted to us if we trust in Jesus, mm-hmm. that all of God's anger and wrath over the sin of humanity was poured out on his son. And if we trust and believe in him, then we could, we could be forgiven. And so he preached beautifully um, the gospel from that passage. And both my husband and I um, heard the gospel message and the Lord saved us in that sermon. And uh, so, yeah, that's how the Lord saved me. So it was (laughs) a huge uh, blessing to, have come to faith together as a young married couple coming out of uh, tragedy 
and being able to um, grow in our faith together. And, you know, back then there were no, there was no Google and yeah. logos and all this kind of stuff. So we had the big vines concordance. Yeah. <laughs> that was like, <laughs> we sell those. We here. Still have those. <laughs> yeah. We still have those. Here. Remember those? Oh, oh yeah. we sell them here. <laughs> you sell them? <laughs> yeah. We sell them here. So hey, it's the same. Hey, they're still useful whether you have it hardback or, or digital now. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, we would just pull out our Bibles, pull out our concordances, ask a lot of questions, pray together, study together. And hmm. um, yeah, that's how the Lord, that's how the Lord. That's saved awesome. Me. Praise yeah. God for expositional preaching. Right? I know. We, yes, sir. We, yes. we just, hear that a lot when people do come uh get confronted with expositional preaching and yeah you know, we we definitely appreciate yeah, it absolutely so chrissy help us out with the yeah. title of your book why the title i know it's a whole mouthful so let's all say it <laughs> yeah, together i messed it up in the beginning <laughs> literarily literally literarily yes um so a lot of people, well, I'll say that I, I, I know that it's a struggle, but, you know, uh, we thought about other, just in terms of titling, uh, but that word literarily really seemed to capture kind of what I wanted to communicate through the book. Oh. So we could say um, we want to understand how the literary genres of scripture <laughs> impact our Bible study. Uh, but the word for that really is literarily, right? Mm -hmm. Like understanding the Bible literarily. And that just means what I just said, how we look at the literary genres. And I'll, I can talk about what that is in a second, the major genres as they're given to us in scripture and how they impact how we study and understand the Bible. And I think that there's huge, uh, benefit yeah. to studying the Bible in this way. It doesn't negate or take the place of kind of your normal inductive kind of Bible study approach, but it does add a layer, I think, of depth so that you can nuance genres and you can avoid the problem or the question that a lot of people have, or at least not avoid the question, but you have an answer to the question that a lot of people have, which is, do we study the Bible literally? Yeah. How do you know whether you read something literally or not? Have y'all ever heard that question? Oh, Raise your hand. Yes. Absolutely. I remember uh, listening to to uh, R.C. Sproul getting that question yeah. once. He gets got that question about uh, you know not taking the Bible literally, and he he, he explained it. I'm sure as as you will, but yeah, yeah, it's a literal interpretation, but taking into account the different genres and mm -hmm. so forth. Yes. Yeah, for sure. And so I think for me, the answer is this, that you can study every book of the Bible literarily. And by doing that, it will help you determine which parts of the Bible you you study, you're to study literally, mm -hmm. right? So for example, if I am in um, a narrative, if I am in the Gospels even, those are historical accounts. That's fact. That's history. Um, you want to read that literally. It doesn't mean that you take um, every application and make, you know, what Jesus did. I do. I don't mean to read it literally in that way. But in terms of understanding what's happening in the story, that's fact. You read it literally as it is written. Right. However, if I'm in uh, poetry or if I'm in wisdom literature, um, if you read those literally, you're going to 
come across a lot of problems <laughs> really, really quickly. Yeah. <laughs> um, or even if you read books like Leviticus, the law, and if you read that strictly, literally, you're going to run into a lot of problems yeah. in terms of how do we then apply that to today. And so um, what I want to put forward in this book is that um, a, a helpful approach is to study every passage according to its literary genre, literarily, and then it will dictate to you whether or not you should um, you should understand that passage literally or not. Wow. That's huge. That is. That's really huge. Super helpful. So how do you... Yeah, I think it was helpful to me as well. I mean, it just really changed how I studied the Bible because I just had new lenses uh, you know, even if you, let's say you just take your basic inductive Bible study approach, which is uh, observation, interpretation, application. So you observe the text. What is it saying? You interpret the text. What does it mean in context? And then you apply. Now, what does it mean to me? Well, if I just take that and I say, well, you know, it says, uh, uh, what's the uh, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. That's what it says. Right. And then what does that mean? Does that mean if I train up my child in the ways of the Lord, then that's a guarantee right. that they'll never stray, they, that they won't be wayward? Right. Well, lived experience tells us that's not true. Yeah. Right. But um, and then how do I apply that? Well, and then I just, you know, I put forward the gospel and then you expect certain results. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't expect fruit from our labors, but um, we can't presume upon God either, yeah, right? Exactly. And so um, if I just take a basic observation, interpretation, application um, kind of approach, then I'm missing something really vital. I'm missing the fact that this is a proverb. This is proverbial wisdom. It's not a command. It's not a you know, you plug this in, you get this out. It's proverbial wisdom, meaning it's generally true in most cases, but it's not something that we can kind of, you know, say is a hundred percent for everyone. It's yeah. a guarantee. Yeah, right? absolutely. No, that makes perfect sense. So it's, you know, really intended for anybody, especially, mm -hmm. you know, as we study the Bible, as you said, uh, inductively, um, using this alongside of that can be super helpful. So talk to us a little bit about, genre about the primary genres in scripture and what does what does genre mean what's what's the definition of that word oh yeah so we gotta we can't uh, use the term without defining it exactly. <laughs> defining it right um so a genre is very simple it's just a category <laughs> so when you think about genres generally it's kind of artistic category so you think about it in the arts books and movies and um, music, those kinds of things. So if I say, what's your favorite genre of literature? You might say fiction, or you might say nonfiction. You might say fantasy. You might say mystery. You might say, I don't know, uh, historical fiction or something. So you can nuance that. Same thing with music. What's your favorite music genre? You might say country, jazz, hip hop, you know, gospel, um, classical, all kinds of things. So genre it's just a category. And in the Bible, so in the most general sense, and in the Bible, um, we see, and what the categories do, let me say another thing, what the categories do is they help us to organize information so we know where to, where to place it. Mm. It helps us to make sense of information. So if I'm listening to music, 
the meaning that I take away from that is going to be shaped by its genre. And the example that I like to use is I like country music. I will admit it. And (laughs) so So does Eli. So (laughs) So, um, there's a song and it threw me off when I first read the title. It's called take, it's called take me to church. Well, I won't talk about that one. There's another one called Holy H O L Y. It's a country genre. But when you listen to the song and you're thinking, I'm like, oh, holy, this is going to be a Christian song. No, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) Holy means something like um, I'm I'm high on loving you. That's what that's that's what the refrain is. Ah. H-O-L-Y is not holy like God is holy. It's high on loving you. (laughs) 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 So, but, you know, if I had thought about it a few minutes, like, yes, this is country and there's lots of imagery and word pictures and play on words and country music. So, you know, no, I should not expect that it's going to be a gospel song just right. because it says holy, for example. So it helps us make sense like mm. it, of, a, of, a, of uh, the genre and then it or of the piece of music or scripture. And then it also helps us to know what to expect from it. Sure. So. If you're reading, um, if you're reading a self-help book, for example, then you know the kinds of things that you would expect from a self-help book. You know, you're going to get lots of um, encouragements to make your life better, to be more productive, those kinds of things. You're not going to expect a self-help book necessarily uh, to paint a, a totally fictitious fictional world in which you can learn about, you know, being more productive in life, unless you read the 5am club, which is a little bit different, but (laughs) in general, in general, um, self-help books are not going to do that. Right. They're not going to paint worlds for you. They're going to give you information. So it helps us to, um, know what to expect from the things that we read. You read fantasy, you know, you're going to have dragons and heroes and all kinds of fun things like that. Same thing with biblical genres. They help us to organize the books of the Bible. So we have the Pentateuch, that is law, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. You have the Old Testament narrative that starts with, you know, um, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1st, 2nd Samuel, Kings, Chronicles, those ones. And then uh, there are um, the poetic books. You have Psalms, you have Job, the wisdom books, you have Proverbs. Then the prophetic books, you have the major prophets and the minor prophets. And then we get to the gospels, we get to epistles, we get to apocalyptic, which kind of is a double whammy. So you have Daniel in the Old Testament and Revelation Mm -hmm. in the New. But in general, biblical genres help us to organize. So even when you read a book like Daniel, kind of a standout, Revelation, kind of a standout, um, we know that we can put those books together in one genre because they're they're both talking about the end times, Mm -hmm. like the the focus, primary focus of those books are about that. Uh, So... Yeah, I think I answered the question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you're not going to read Revelation or Daniel in the same way that you would read Matthew, for example. Exactly right, because Matthew is giving us a historical account about the life and work of Jesus, uh, whereas uh, Daniel and Revelation is full of imagery and word pictures, and they're pointing us um, to the to the the person and work of Christ, but in its ultimate ful- fulfillment, like how 
um, the ultimate fulfillment of Christ's kingdom is ushered in. And so you're going to get more of that than you're going to get. And it's kind of those visions of the future um, than you would get, say, in Matthew. Um, Are there apocalyptic elements in Matthew? Um, Yeah. (laughs) You go back, what, Matthew 24, 24. 25, somewhere in there? You're going to get glimpses of that. But the primary focus of a gospel isn't necessarily um, for that function. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really good to make those distinction, especially uh, I I can talk about just Laredo, uh, where I think that there's churches and maybe individuals that we've come across that don't make those distinction when they start talking about scripture. And I'm really glad that you are just flushing that out entirely for our listeners here in Laredo and our worldwide audience who, 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 don't maybe think um, it's uh, the the sixty six books of the Bible in, in in genres, but I think it's important that we do mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and you think about it. I mean, I I know I've been in spaces and have heard individuals and churches um, try to make analogies between mm-hmm. something you read in Revelation and something we see, you know, in our world today, and and mm-hmm. and you know just either saying, you know, looking for something like locusts to come, you know, rain <laughs> right. down in our day, you know, in, in the way that it is in the book of Revelation or something to that effect. And so I think understanding the genre and knowing that it's highly symbolic and that symbolism is meant to um, push us forward to um, end times and give us a glimpse of eternity, that will really shape how we read those books and how we understand them. Like everybody trying to figure out the mark of the beast, yeah. you know, revelation exactly. and they're right. like, Oh man, it's a chip. It's on my forehead. Exactly. Is it a phone? I mean, we can have, yeah. you know, I, I, I love, uh, you know, apocalyptic language, you know, it's, you know, right. we, we talk about eschatology here all the time and yeah. it's fun. Uh, but, um, yeah, I just, re- I, I do, I, I, it gets really wacky really quick, yeah. you know, and everybody mm-hmm. trying to figure it out and you're just like yeah. like the bible doesn't say what it is and yeah. be okay with that you know yeah. um and also just the imagery of i mean the symbolism of it and the imagery is just i mean it's amazing yeah as a literary if you know from a literary standpoint mm. um i mean just the the way that the lord um brought these visions to um the apostle john and um, how he is giving us those, tell, showing us how, where history is headed mm. through highly symbolic and image laden um, language is just, I mean, it's just amazing. Yeah. It's, it's something that only God could do. Amen. Yeah. Only, yeah right. Yeah. Like if, if yeah. John is seeing these things, how does, yeah. how does, how does he explain <laughs> it except through that kind of imagery? But, uh, yeah. but that's another topic. But uh, yeah. in your book, you say that the Bible is one epic story. What do you mean by that? And how does an understanding of genre fit into that story? Yeah. So it's funny when I was, um, when I was working on that, uh, that section of the book, I had just recently read with, uh, at my son's request, the um, Aragon series. Mm. I don't know if y'all familiar. If you have young people in your house, they've probably read it. It's humongous. The, it, the first book is like 500 pages, and every book adds 100 pages, and they're like five books in the series. Yeah. So by the time you're done, you read like 900 pages. Yeah, huge, wow. but beautiful epic story. So, uh, <laughs> but um, an epic is 
basically like a long poem that um, that tells a story. And in an epic, it's usually some fictional or you know some fictional land, and there's a crisis in the land, and there's a hero who's raised up to kind of solve this crisis, and he comes upon various stumbling blocks and obstacles along the way. Uh, but in the epic, it's point as you go along and follow along with this hero, you see how order and nor and a sense of normalcy is restored mm. to a very chaotic world. Now, if that ain't a picture yeah. of who Jesus is and what he did, what he's doing um, in the world even now, and we get to be participants in that and know where the end is headed, like, I just think that that's, that's the picture that um, the Bible is painting. And so um, in a in a in an epic, it's very um, you it's very um, otherworldly and you see that um, the future is glorious. And again, just analogy between um, our, you know how we think about how we what we understand about humanity and Christ coming. And so um, though the Bible has a lot of stories and books and themes, and it spans thousands of years. It's still a book that is written by the finger of God. It's inspired by the Holy Spirit. And it's all about one person, the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm. And that story, it tells us that um, from him and through him and to him are all things. And so Jesus is that epic hero who breaks into a world of all kinds of competing interests. And as we see um, Jesus incarnated and, and active and working in the world, um, and what we hear him preaching, the, the gospel of the kingdom of God, his interests of the inbreaking of that kingdom becomes our interest mm -hmm. as we trust in him. Yeah. His passion to take the gospel to the whole world becomes our passion when we put our trust in him. He is the ultimate hero. Who, he lived a perfect life. He died to save humanity from our sins and the sinful influence of the world and Satan. He rose three days later to showcase his power over death and resurrection life that exists for those who trust in him. And he left the deposit of the Holy Spirit to guide us and direct us um, so that we know how to, uh, so that we can know him and live for him and be empowered by the Spirit to be faithful in our walk with the Lord. And so this is why I think that the Bible is an epic story. Mm -hmm. And so from beginning, Genesis to the end, Revelation, it's all about Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Now, what's interesting about the genres is I think the uh, even the way God has in, inspired and worked in humanity to um, put our Bibles together, even that to me is telling the story of um, of Jesus. So in the law, you get God's instructions to His people. Um, in the and so the law is when we think about law, we think about rules. But in the scriptures, law is basically instructions. Torah, that word means instruction. Mm -hmm. So in the law, you get God's instructions. The narratives show us how uh, the show us the lived experience of God's people through history and how His plan for humanity unfolds, and how God's people responded to His instructions. And we know how they responded. 
they wild out. And so, um, and then you see the prophets who are speaking God's word to his people, calling them in their rebellion to repentance and faith, warning them of the consequences of sin, but then also helping them to kind of understand what the future holds for those who, for the remnant, for those who um, repent and who follow the Lord and continue in faithful obedience to him. And then the poetry recalls history through prayer and song and calls people to worship and remembrance. And so you got you start with instruction, then God's people responding to his instruction in various ways, either through their lived experience in history or in poetry and music and song. And then you have the prophets speaking God's instructions to his people and warning them of the consequences of not listening to his instructions, but the blessing of following God's instructions. And then we get uh, the New Testament, where we see God's instructions embodied in the person of Jesus Christ, where the instructions of God were obeyed perfectly. Jesus obeyed perfectly all the law of God, and he. Um, and then, and then we get, to, and so uh, we see just God's instructions lived out in a human being perfectly. Hmm. Um, and then we get the epistles, which are God's instructions to the church. There are letters left to the churches to instruct and to logically clarify the teachings of Christ and how the church should live in light of the gospel. And then we have the apocalyptic literature, as we talked about before, which is highly symbolic. And it it points us to God's instructions, how they um, are brought to uh my one 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 is I don't even want to say brought to conclusion. How they're brought to fruition, fruition. fulfillment. Yeah. <laughs> ultimately, um, not only in time but in eternity. Mm-hmm. And so, for me, again, that epic story, following the genres um, at along, just just following the genres as they're presented to us in scripture, helps to tell that redemptive story of um, the life and work of Jesus Christ, who he is, why he came. Um, Some people call it like, you know, the Old Testament is telling us about those um, uh, promises that um, were made. Um, And then the New Testament tells us um, how those promises were kept and fulfilled in, in Christ. Yeah. I love that idea of the epic story. Again, it shows us the um, that that overarching theme of creation, fall, redemption, and recreation or glorification. Amen. And, yeah. And when you have the, those those different recognition of the different genres in there, it allows you to interpret the Bible properly to interpret it in a way that the story, so that the story makes sense. So, yeah. And you know where you are and you know where you are in redemptive history. Right. And so it's a good kind of place marker as well um, to know that, Hey, I'm reading the book of Ruth. This is a historical narrative. Mm -hmm. um, And, and it helps you to kind of see where, you know, where you are in that storyline, where you are in that overarching um, narrative. There's a canon conscience, consciousness to the entire story, and that's not original with me. That's somebody mm-hmm. else, else came up with that that idea, like but it. the the whole canon fits together, mm. and you know there's this recognition that it that it needs all of those different parts to tell the complete story because it all yeah, all points to Jesus Christ. So, mm-hmm. that's good. Yeah. yeah. So your book provides a lot of literary terminology, Christy. How can someone without a literature background benefit from this book as well? Because 
how to find all the terms. There you go. That's easy. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I really wanted this book to a lot of books that talk about genre or even kind of a literary understanding of scripture. A lot of them are written for seminarians or mm. kind of, you know, theologically astute people. And so, um, I wanted this book to be just for the everyday Christian who opens their Bible every day and just wants to grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ, to know him better and to love him more deeply. And because I believe that this literary kind of um, component adds to that, I just wanted to make it really accessible and easy for people to understand. So there are a lot of literary terms. But I tried to give just enough so that you could continue moving forward in your study and you could learn, maybe learn something new that, you know, you forgot in grammar school or something, Uh, but not too much that it would feel overwhelming. Like, I can't do this because I have to have a seminary degree and I don't have a seminary degree. I'm never going to have a seminary degree. So I can't, you know, I can't go any further. So there are other ways that I could have presented certain elements. So for example, in epistles, I could have talked about um, how to follow the logic of a passage in a, in a different way. Mm -hmm. I could have talked about independent clauses and dependent clauses and how they work together. And a lot of inductive Bible study talks about connecting words and, you know, contrasting words and things like that. So I could have talked about it even literarily from that standpoint, but instead I chose kind of what I thought would be accessible to a lot of people, which is thinking about argument. You're making a claim about something and then now you're trying to prove it. And how and what are the ways that we see that the author is trying to prove a particular claim that he's making? We see it a lot. I mean, in in um, in Paul's writings, it's it's pretty textbook. Like you can kind of follow that method pretty, you know, sure. pretty straightforward. Uh, in a book like First John, where he writes very sick. Mm-hmm. He has a very cyclical writing style. It's a little bit harder to use that method. I think it's possible, but I'm not saying what I've written is like that's the only way. You know, if something else works for you, fine. Um, but again, I just tried to write it in a way that was accessible to people, where they could enter in, maybe learn some tools and strategies, but it wouldn't kind of stop their flow of studying and really fellowshipping with the Lord in their study, but it would allow them to keep moving forward. Um, so that that's my prayer. That's my hope. Yeah. So your whole objective here is not to create a new Bible study method, but to just give people another tool to use along with their, yeah. their Bible study method, their inductive yeah. method to understand the text more fully. Yes. And I'm going to tell you a little secret that was kind of one of my goals for writing this book. And it's going to sound completely hypocritical when I tell you the full thing. But <laughs> <laughs> my goal is to so is is to write material so that we don't necessarily have a need for Bible study, like a, a prepackaged Bible study. Like you can have them and I have have tons of them and I use them and they're fine, but that we don't feel like we have to be dependent upon them, that we can open up our Bibles. We know where we are. We know what we're reading and we can study without feeling dependent upon Bible studies. While at the same time, I'm about to write a Bible study. So (laughs) (laughs) Using your method though. (laughs) Using, yeah, exactly. But the Bible, 
Bible study I'm writing is kind of a more, you know, it's kind of taking a, a particular genre and really working it through to help people get a better sense of how to do it on their own mm. so that, you know what, maybe after they read the Bible study, they'll be like, oh, I don't need this. You know, I don't need this anymore. I can I can just pick up my Bible and and I know what I'm you know, I know what I'm doing now and I don't have to feel so like I've been there where I was just like, oh, my gosh, I'm reading this. I have no idea what I'm reading. You read Revelation. That's like, I don't know. You read the prophets. You're like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm reading. And <laughs> and so I want to kind of take away that little element of like, yeah. what did I, you know? Lord, I'm just going to trust that you put something on my heart this morning because <laughs> I don't know. But, yeah, just kind of reduce a little bit of that friction mm. and give people an easier entry into their um, Bible study that's time. A, that's excellent. Yeah, another tool for – I'm just thinking even about discipleship, you know, using yes. your book for sure and, mm-hmm. and, and pointing them back to, you know, Scripture and, and just using those. I, I, I think it's great. I think it's absolutely great. So Thank you. Wow, uh, yeah. Chrissy, time has flown by fast. No, too fast. <laughs> too fast. It's time up. <laughs> <laughs> time, time's up. Uh, man, but um, we, we don't want to give away everything about your book. People need to, <laughs> people need to go buy this book, Absolutely. you know, right. which we, we, didn't, we didn't touch on everything. But teasers, yes. Yeah, uh, again, yeah, teasers. So, uh, but um, Chrissy, can you please share the good news of Christ, the gospel to our worldwide audience today. Yes, I would love to. Um, The gospel is good news. It's good news because we have a God who loves us. He created the whole world out of nothing by the power of his word. And he created it perfect. And he created it so that humanity could live in, in perfect communion with him. But our enemy, Satan, the devil, um, he enters into uh, the world and he he tempts the first man and woman, um, Adam and Eve, and they fall into sin. And because of that, all of humanity now are su- we're subject to um, sin and, and and corruption, and um, and we need a way out because. God wants us to be in fellowship with him. And so God sent his son, Jesus, into the world, um, the third person of the Trinity. Um, And when I say God sent his son, I don't mean that God sent someone other than himself. I mean, God came to the earth, incarnated in the person of Jesus Christ. And Jesus lived the perfect, in, in his humanity, lived the perfect life that God called us to live, that we can't live. He um, died on the cross uh, for our sins, which he didn't, that he he took on the punishment of sin that we deserved and died on the cross so that he could pay the penalty for our sins so that we wouldn't have to if we would trust in him. And then three days later, he rose from the dead, um, demonstrating that um, the power that he had over death and the resurrection life that we can have in him when we trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then not only that, he ascended into heaven later and he left the deposit of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So that now when God calls us, He the Spirit acts within us to allow us to be able to um, respond to the gospel message, to receive the gift of faith and to live a life that um, 
um, that is pleasing to the Lord. And we live it in dependence upon Christ, and we live it out of um, the righteousness that is imputed to us because of what Christ has done. Mm. And so I would just love for people who are listening to um, believe in that message, to trust in that, not only the message, but in the person of Jesus, to Mm. believe in him, to trust in him, and to call upon him, to um, acknowledge to him that you've lived a life of sin and that you want to be reconciled to God and then to put your faith in Christ and experience the abundant life that he promises those who trust in him. Not an easy life, not a life free of trouble, but a life that is abundantly good uh, because our God is good. And we know that God has good meant for his people. He tells us in his word that he is good and he does good. So life might not always feel good, but we know that he's good and we can trust in him. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you. Yeah. For, oh man. I, I, I love when our authors share the gospel message. To well, it's our, our the same audience. story, the same story, but it's, you know, given with different words from a different, different perspectives, different experiences. So always pointing to Jesus Christ and our hope in him, but thank you for that. The message is always the same. So, um, Chrissy, before we end uh, the podcast, where can people find you if you want to be found? I always say this in our podcast. <laughs> if you so, want to be found. Yeah, if you want to be found on social media, anywhere, uh, where they can get your new book that is being released here March 1st. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, if you can somehow figure out how to spell my name. <laughs> <laughs> You can find me. Uh, you can go to my website, christianyawile.com. Good luck spelling that. Um, and there, obviously, there are links and stuff to uh, to get the book there. Or I'm on all the socials. I really hang out on Instagram, so you can find me there uh, through my name. And then you can get the book wherever you like to buy books from Walmart or Target or, or Bridge, or or <laughs> yeah, your local book or, or the Bridge bookstore. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, well, uh, well, so yeah, well, thank, thank you. you, and I'll spell the website for you after we, after <laughs> yeah. we get off, so people have that. Yeah, that, well, might, that might be helpful. We'll, yes, we'll do it or not. Well, mm-hmm. Chrissy, thank you very much for coming on to Bridge Radio today. Uh, I was definitely blessed by this interview for sure, and just talking about your new book. Um, and and yes, uh, please go get the book. Yeah. All right, go get the book. Yeah. This is why we bring the authors on. They talk about the book. Go get the book. You'll be blessed by it. You'll be blessed by it. Go grab a group of people if you want to. Like, yeah, do it. All right. Thank well, you. thank you. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that concludes this week's episode with Christy Anya Weeble, all right, on her new book, Literarily, How Understanding Bible's Genre Transform Bible Studies. I have a hard time saying that word, uh, by the way. But we have a solution. <laughs> but we have a solution. Uh, Steve. Yeah. What I... I it was a great podcast. It was a, it was a fantastic podcast, and I'm really encouraged by uh, by this book. You know, you always think, well, what else is there to write about? Everything has been covered, <laughs> but you know, I really think that this is going to be a beneficial book mm. for people to really dig into studying the Bible on their own, as she said. You know, understanding the different genres and just uh, you know knowing how to pull out of it um, as much as we can without having to always rely on. I love study Bibles. But, you know, I think it's really important for us to get into the word on our own 
and to you know be able to recognize those different types of literature and you know the different significances that they have for our understanding of of God's word so yeah, I encourage ta- people to do that yeah we talk about that and I think even in just biblical interpretation yeah especially when we get people that come in and just you know are just throwing out verses and exactly you know, I love the example that she used in Proverbs of raising yeah. a child like you know that was like are, are you supposed to take that literally you know and expect those results to be 100 guaranteed mm-hmm. no so uh again you know breaking up the, the 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 books of the bible and genre with law history prophecy poetry gospel epistle wisdom ap- 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 apocalyptic i i think it'll be very very important for the reader and, and hopefully you know um clarify those genres to be able to look at your bible reading in that way so that you can say okay how am, how am i reading this and understanding mm-hmm. this is understanding I'm, those categories yes um so i do want to give you the website so it's christy christy anya buile and it is k-r-i-s-t-i-e-a-n-y-a-b-w-i-l-e.com there so you go. Hopefully, you can uh, go look her up and uh, be blessed by what she's what she's got written. I know she's she's uh, written for numerous organizations, and um, sounds like she has quite a quite a bit of uh, information out there in her ministry. And so, I'd encourage you to go check it out. Yeah, yeah. We're that intro was one of our longest but yeah she's written for gospel coalition the front porch desiring god christianity today so for our listeners you guys know that those are very solid uh ministries so uh please please go check her out and uh please don't forget to follow us on facebook instagram twitter and youtube and like we always like to end the show guys what is your only comfort in life and in death that i am not my own but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful savior Jesus Christ. Till next week, guys. Amen.